Welcome to another episode of Another Day, Another Adventure, a podcast uh, dedicated to watching every Dragon Ball cartoon ever. I am your host, Colton, and with me, as always, is my, uh, I guess, the the Krillin to my Goku, uh, my good friend, Sakaki. How's it going, buddy? I just had my head shaved, so that's very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> just in time. Um <laughs> And um, I'm very excited about this episode in particular because we have our second ever special guest. And uh, with us today is, uh, I'm going to say, a pretty good friend of ours, uh, someone that uh, you probably follow on Twitter and probably seen around. Uh, You probably know them as the guy who uh, uh, makes bad puns on purpose and talks about One Piece about 60% of the time he's on there. Uh, Also from podcasts like uh, Blade Licking Thieves and the Super Senpai podcast. Uh, Please welcome our good friend, Grant the Thief. How's it going, Grant? It's great to be here, Colton Sakaki. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on. It's 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 good to pod with both of you together once more. I don't. It's been a while since the three of us have 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 uh, have joined together here at Turtle House, but uh, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice to be here. <laughs> well, um, I'm probably going to say it like a hundred million times throughout this episode, but I really do want to thank you for coming on. I was really like excited oh, to shucks. have you on in particular. Always glad to be on. Just, just because you know, like you said, we haven't like done a lot together recently, and and it's 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 about time, you know. We're, uh, uh, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like we're completely out of it, but you know, we're we're slowly but surely getting out of pandemic times, hopefully. And uh, you know, with that comes a side of change. Of hope at the end of the tunnel. I hope it's not a train, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh just getting over by a train. Um, but. Yeah, uh, so on this episode of the podcast in particular, uh, obviously we're still covering the original Dragon Ball anime from 1986, and uh, we are covering episodes 14 through 16 in particular, uh, basically the start of the, I guess, the 21st Tenkaichi Budokai, we're not we're not there yet, but it's basically the start of this arc, we're starting a new arc, and that's really, really exciting, I mean, I, I went on about this a lot in our last podcast, but I'm genuinely very excited to like start covering material that I technically haven't ever really like gotten to pot about before. And I'm sure Sakaki, you probably feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always, I've always said here that I'm like the big proponent of the the original Dragon Ball. I'm the original hipster. So (laughs) like, and and I feel like the show really did take off like after at this point, you know, so I'm definitely glad to finally be able to talk about it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Before we even get onto these episodes, um, we're going to go through the whole rigmarole once again. And we got to introduce our bud Grant to people who probably possibly don't follow him or ever listen to him. Just in case that's the case. It's not a redundant time to time to break the, the their poor innocence the the poor you know sheltered dome they live in now i'm here to ruin their day <laughs> <laughs> um so grant i guess i'll ask you the same question uh, we asked our uh, last guest marion uh in, in, instead of because you know the, the whole thing with dragon ball is kind of weird in particular because like so many people, I think it's safe to say, have gotten into it through like kind of the same particular way if you're of a certain generation. But uh, I mean, I, I guess the first question we'll start off with is, um, did you get into Dragon Ball through Toonami? And if and if not, how did you? Yeah, that's that's it for me. I'm of the cohort that uh, I mean, obviously, I, I knew of anime before and it had been in the anime space for a couple of years is, is but a wee lad, is but a small Goku or Krillin, right? I was running around just watching any any violent cartoon I could find. Uh, while, while wearing <laughs> a turtle that's, shell. That's what a lot of it was, right? Yeah, it was it was all the not kid stuff 
the hyper violence and the the you know not all of it but that was definitely how it was billed at the time and that was what i was drawn to right like that was the the early appeal to see things that i'd never seen in other uh cartoons and animation before but i I'd, I'd been watching some stuff but of course when i'd never seen anything dragon ball i had no clue and then toonami began to air dragon ball z in what i guess 97 maybe um and uh, of course <laughs> as things often do it completely took over my life <laughs> and suddenly that was like the thing i cared about um so i started with z and i was definitely the kid that would you know because toonami would roll it out in chunks right they do like 30 episodes at a time or 26 or whatever and they'd kind of loop them for a while then roll out the next batch um and i was watching you know the ocean dub at least uh, initially and then um the follow-on stuff, uh, as I guess Funimation took over, I don't really remember what the, the time frame was. I know I heard some of the early Ocean Dub stuff and the voices changed, but I would watch, you know, whatever they were repeating. I'd watch it again the third time, the fourth time. I didn't care. It was just kind of always on and something that I was always engaging with. I would I taped all the movies, especially I have very vivid memories of those first three Dragon Ball Z films, Dead Zone, Tree of Might, World's Strongest, because I, you know, I have, I think I still have them somewhere. But the VHS tapes, I, you know, I, I tape them off TV. And I had this, I don't know what it was, this like green, it's like weird dull green masking tape. And I was slapping that on the side, writing on the markers. So like I always knew where my Dragon Ball movie tapes were because they had the special green tape or whatever. You know, it was definitely something that I loved and, and watched everything I could. And, and, you know, even the stuff that was weird or I didn't understand that I'd find on, you know, anime shrines on the turnpike or whatever or renting i have really vivid memories of renting um dragon ball uh, final bout which i think was a playstation fighting game and it was like a gt fighting game so it had like you know golden uzaru forms and stuff and i was like what is this stuff <laughs> like, oh. you know, like opening the ark of the covenant i had no clue what i was looking at um but you know and uh, just Man, I ate it up, and the the the, the card game, and the, I, it was it was my big obsession, and part of the reason I guess I, I kind of fell out for a while because I, I guess I kind of burned myself out on it. You know, a lot of other shonen that came after, of course, like Naruto was a big one that came uh, after was one of the other big shonen hits, and I was just like, I can't do another orange uniformed, you know, magic punch guy for a million episodes. <laughs> I just can't do this again, and I, I walked away. You know, but but. Um, I've come back around full circle. I've got full Dragon Ball brain again, you know, the watching the, the, all the super movies. And I mean, a good example is you, you, you mentioned this to me, Hey, I want you to be on for this pod. And as a couple weeks ago, I was like, all right, I'm going to get ready. And I was like, all right, these are the episodes we're going to review. Well, I'll read a little bit of the manga just to kind of, you know, get myself caught up. So I have to watch all those episodes and ended up just reading all of the Dragon Ball manga in like three days. <laughs> now I'm on Z again and the brain rod is there i'm just i'm back in it man i, I, I can't leave it <laughs> uh, i mean that's that's kind of i feel like that's kind of how i feel sometimes too like it's just <laughs> like I've, i don't think i've ever had a real break from dragon ball like it's just one of those things just is kind of a part of everybody's life all mm -hmm, the time mm -hmm. you know it's, it's it's hard to not think about it's part of the it's part of the reason why i wanted to do the show is just because like you know we we originally spent probably like collectively four to six hours talking about on on manga mavericks you know <laughs> and it was just one of those things where it's like man i could literally like talk about this forever and i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna do that you know 
Uh, yeah, it, it's a real, I guess, testament to how powerful Dragon Ball is. It's like the most popular thing on the planet, and all I've thought about for like 20 years, and I'm still like, yeah, I want to talk about Dragon Ball. I love Dragon Ball. <laughs> I, you know, uh, you never know life where life will take you, but yeah. I, I could see myself being 80 and still just recording about Dragon Ball, honestly. <laughs> I, I, just, I just like it that much, you know. I hope it's still going. <laughs> At this point, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, yeah. it, it, it is just the evergreen franchise. At any time it comes back people are excited i've never heard anybody be like dragon ball again i mean (laughs) (laughs) i admit like it's in previous episodes so i won't go too long on it but yeah i was god i feel like old because i saw dragon ball before toonami so (laughs) the original like the dragon ball they only dubbed like the first 13 so and then i watched it i was like you i watched some toonami and then i walked and then i walked away from it i I guess that was part of the reason why Colton dragged me onto this little project of his is because I haven't touched Dragon Ball Z in particular since it stopped and uh, since the whole airing on Toonami. I haven't. I've never seen it in Japanese. I've only seen the dub. I've I own Dragon Ball on DVD, so I've seen that countless times. I was even kind of col- uh, commenting to Colton because I have the episodes on my computer. And I accidentally left the dub on, and Goku started speaking. I was like, oh, wow, wow. <laughs> like, I have nothing against the dub before people come and attack me. It's just I've been watching in Japanese for, like, like I almost want to say close to almost a decade now. So going back to the dub was just really – that was just – I just need to ease myself into it again. <laughs> so, but, yeah, up until then, like, up until this thing, I've not – touch z so when we get to z it'll be my first time hearing a lot of the the original music and the the voices so that's gonna be fun and me too like colton what what it was manga mavericks right yeah it was manga mavericks that you were like yeah we're having a dbz thing so you know read it i did read it in like two days on a bus ride (laughs) (laughs) on a bus ride to and from um anime new york anime uh yeah anime new york and yeah and that's my first time really reading the manga either so Colson has just got that effect. No, yeah, it's 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 fun because, uh, and we've we've explained this before, but it's what's fun about the show is that like we've both like seen such different portions of this franchise. Like part of the reason I wanted to do this in particular was because like uh, I've been mostly a manga guy and I really haven't touched a lot of the anime except for maybe what I've watched as a kid and like the movies. And I'm I'm gonna say I've seen like maybe sixty percent of this franchise. And there's still, like, a lot that I haven't actually watched. Like, this is kind of my first time going through the original series, like, all the way through. Because I've maybe seen, like, the first... I've always gotten up to, like, the first 30, and I've just kind of always stopped for whatever reason. So, hopefully, the next goal now is to get through all the 21st tournament and actually get into uh, Red Ribbon Army, which I haven't really seen almost any of. So it's kind of fun because we're, for, for Sakaki, this is probably like the 200th time he's seen this yeah. show in particular. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll, we'll get through all the Z stuff and you'll, you'll just you'll just be lost. Like, it'll be it'll be pretty great. <laughs> but yeah, we should um, we should probably get into these episodes. I mean, unless Grant, was there anything else you wanted to mention or? Uh, no, no, not particularly. Um, just, uh, you know, a huge, huge lover of all things Dragon Ball, whether I'm reading or watching or playing or it's just whatever, man, I'm always down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and I, I think it's safe to say, and we'll, I, we'll get to him in a little bit, but um, I think it's safe to say you wanted to join us for these episodes because episode 14 in particular, we get introduced to our, our, our good friend Krillin. The man, the myth, the legend. When he was, when he was still a force to be reckoned with. 
My little guy, my little buddy, my favorite character in Dragon Ball. <laughs> <laughs> it, but when he when he still had those thick ass eyebrows. <laughs> That's probably like my favorite part about his early design. Um, Sakaki, isn't Krilling your favorite character too? Or am I remembering wrong? Or I mean, he is. He is like just my man. The <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> like the John Everyman. I just love him like that. I I love him for the fact that he's just this ordinary guy surrounded by all these titans, and he still and he keeps up for a pretty long time. But mostly, it is, and, and I feel like he loses a little bit th- this and Z from my admittedly threadbare recollection but he's such a snarky little asshole and i love it (laughs) (laughs) and i it it, through these episodes i got reminded why i love i just love the snark that just oozes off this kid it is pretty good um i guess we could start off obviously with episode 14 in particular as we get into this new arc and um, Goku basically is traveling to Master Roshi's in order to be trained because he has nothing else better to do until Dragon Balls come back. I remember when I first watched this episode, like so- something that I've been kind of learning throughout watching this show again is that I actually really enjoy a lot of the anime original stuff that the show adds in with some of these episodes or whatever. I, w- I was not expecting a subplot about Bulma and Yamcha and Poir and Oolong being having their plane crash in the jungle and then having to walk the rest of the way home. I guess that just wasn't something I was expecting. I was kind of disappointed it did, we didn't like see a resolution of it in episode fourteen, but I'm, I'm assuming we're gonna get some kind of resolution to that in like the next few episodes, probably. So I'm I'm interested in seeing how that turns out because that's obviously not something that's not something from the manga at all. There's a lot of like original anime stuff in here that I do actually like that will probably talk about in a bit but uh there's some there's something so funny to me about like because you because you see the plane crash into the jungle and it just explodes and then you kind of get smash cut to everybody kind of hanging from the trees and i just and i just thought like is this show trying to make you assume that like these characters die in the plane crash only for them to like be okay i don't know there's just something I don't know if it was like intentional, but I feel like there's there's like a joke in there you could have made like, oh man, good thing we weren't in the plane or whatever. I was just you, thinking, know? you know, when yeah. I was watching it, I was thinking of that same Simpsons joke. <laughs> like like I forgot where they were going and like Homer was falling asleep in the wheel and they were like, Maybe we should have a rest or something. Homer's like, Yeah, I got this and then like the car like flips over and explodes or something and it like zooms in and zooms out and zooms in and they're like in a hotel like good thing that wasn't us <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I always, that is like the one like simpsons thing that always sticks with me and i mean not to go too far back but i will say i haven't read the manga for dragon ball in a really long time but usually the toei like anime original stuff is like it feels so integrated into it that it's like oh okay i could believe that this was in the manga but it felt like with this one i could tell it was filler not that that's a bad thing just it just felt totally a little bit different than what i'd expect from like toriyama yeah it's interesting because like especially like revisiting early dragon ball you know uh on a whim for this plot and rereading all of it um i actually really enjoyed the elements added here i agree the 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 plane crash part feels a little more uh intrusive i guess but none of the filler do i dislike i think pretty much at least for these episodes you know again talking about toei and dragon ball you talk about an adaptation that often draws people's ire uh, and for good reason right coming down the road with some of the stuff that goes on in z but like these episodes in particular i felt like anything added only enriched the material i i did i was not upset by anything that was added here though like i i I liked all the segments that they added in i felt like it was really great 
Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to getting to the point in the Dragon Ball anime as a whole where where I start to get tired of all the filler in the end and like all the anime original content. I'm I'm really interested in seeing like where my breaking point is because so far like I've re- I've legitimately enjoyed like all the quote unquote filler or whatever. Um, I I feel bad using filler because I feel like that. Uh, I feel like that word has like a negative connotation or whatever. Sure, yeah, and yeah. that implies like it's not like good or whatever. But I, I've legitimately like really enjoyed all all the stuff added into these episodes, especially since like you know the, the manga is so like straight to the point, and uh, I don't want to say bare, but th- there's definitely there's enough room for them to like add on to their own stuff and like uh, kind of explore different things or whatever. Um, and I, I also really, uh, uh, appreciate like, um, with both Krillin and, uh, launch later, I, what I really like about these episodes in particular is the fact that, um, that the anime kind of takes its time to like, kind of build up these characters up to like when they make their debut. Whereas like in the manga, and I'm, I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing, but with, with Toriyama, he just kind of like introduces stuff and it's just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess, yeah. this, I guess this is a thing now, whatever. It's fine. Um, so, so I, I appreciate that the, that the anime staff is really like with Krillin, especially like really building him up to be this, like actually kind of competent martial artist, like somebody that you could see being Goku's rival. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, especially with all the bits with him, like in the jungle, knocking down trees and him like running through the deserts and sailing through the ocean. Like a, a lot of that stuff I thought, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a small addition, but I think it, again, it really, it really builds up Krillin as like an actual competent martial artist. And I, yeah, it makes you wonder who is this guy? I suppose <laughs> he just kind of arrives right with the dirty mags and the manga <laughs> here. It's like, he's on his way. He's like this force, this power and like, boom, when he arrives, you're like, ah, you know, is, is this, is this Charlie Brown's long lost brother? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I joke, but like, I, I feel like anytime I like see Krillin's early design, I can't imagine that Toriyama didn't have peanuts on the mind when, like, designing him in particular. That, that's just my theory. I mean, he definitely, he's an interesting little guy. I mean, obviously, he, like, you know, he, he's a, he's supposed to be like a Shaolin monk. And, like, of course, when I'm watching Z, you know, that was my first thought is I already like martial arts movies. I'm like, oh, he's like a little Shaolin monk guy. That's awesome. This is great. You know, and I assumed he was like a really powerful fighter. You know, my naivete <laughs> for what would happen, what would come down the pipe in Z. I was like, oh, he, but he's like really strong and powerful, um, which, you know, it, it obviously gets changed a little bit later. They, they they throw him a little bit of shine down the road. But, um, you know, here he's definitely, I guess, I don't want to say Toriyama does the, he doesn't go necessarily like full Leiji Matsumoto where you have these like live, beautiful people and then like those little Fisher Price guys <laughs> that are like those little... The little Fisher Price people, like it's not quite that distinct, but he does have some characters that are like little comedy bobbly boops, you know. Like here's a here's a talking pig, here's like a flying cat, here's like a, a witch lady on an orb, and then there's other characters who are like fully rendered people. <laughs> yeah, here's a bald kid. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, and he kind of fits in in that sort of that oolong, you know, space of just like he seems like he's drawn to be comedic. And sort of silly. So I get what you're saying. He has a kind of like a Sunday morning cartoon gag manga appeal, right? As opposed to some of the other characters who don't, you know, like Yamcha doesn't look like a gag character necessarily, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, clearly this is where Murata got, you know, all of his style from One Punch Man. He was watching drag. I mean, he was in that generation, so clearly... <laughs> For sure. Mm. It would be pretty impressive for someone not to be influenced by Dragon Ball. I mean, it, again, it is probably only... 
less popular than the Bible and probably nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> to some people, I mean, you could argue that to some mangaka is their Bible, so there you go. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, it's it's definitely Oda's, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's the one faith I keep coming back to, really, <laughs> you know, more than any. Dra- Dra- Dragon Ball is the one thing that's never let me down. <laughs> I prefer the traditional hymnal services. Chala, head chala. <laughs> Uh, you're, God. Um, so, uh, small thing, but um, I, I think Sakaki and I were kind of talking about this over Discord or whatever, but um, episode 14 in particular, I think, is probably the best looking episode out of the bunch. Um, I, I think there's a lot of really great uh, little like uh, pieces of animation that I really enjoy. Like, I probably said this before, but... I'm going to need a super cut of all the, like, footage of Goku flying around on Kintoon, because, like, all that stuff always looks amazing. Like, they, I feel like they really put their all into those scenes in particular, especially for this episode where it's like, he's obviously flying around, you know, back to his house and then to pick up his stuff and then go to Roshi's house. But, like, they don't have to put in that much effort into these scenes, but they do. Like, just him, like, zipping through the mountains and zipping through caves, like... It's so, it's so fun. Like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it doesn't necessarily like progress the plot or whatever, but like, it's that thing that like gives you like this sense of adventure that like you really come to expect from Dragon Ball as a franchise. When Goku's zipping around, just smiling and laughing, like you were like, yeah, no, the world is an adventure. No, it really is. No, I like, I feel it. Like this is lifting my spirits. <laughs> like it absolutely is just. You can't not be happy watching those. It's, I think, I think yeah. it's humanly impossible. Yeah, <laughs> it's really something special. Just you're like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, this is great. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is all I really need. <laughs> um, I would agree. I think one of the problems is that I, it feels like episode 16 of the trio used reused some footage and stuff. Like, yeah. uh, like lunch, uh, firing her gun and stuff like that. There's some, other than like one really cool moment of like the trickle down, like of the casings and stuff. There's a lot of reused animation. It felt like in sixteen, mm-hmm. but for all three of these, I was really. And again, this is one of those things where you have the, like the I guess the meme of Toei and long running series. You get like ah, they're not putting in the effort. Ah, it's it looked kind of choppy or rough, but you know it. I don't know. I, I was really charmed by all three of these. I think visually, um, oh, for I sure. wasn't really. I wasn't really, I didn't at any point feel like, oh my god, this is so exhausting. Because <laughs> there are times in Z where you're, you know, there's there's some stretches, I'll say. There, there's, <laughs> I, I remember reading about there being an episode, uh, I think, someone who had worked on Z in particular. I'm, actually, I'm not, I'm not sure if they mentioned it was Z in particular. I think they were kind of like, uh, I don't think they said it outright, but I do remember hearing stories about a certain anime where they were working on one episode that literally only adapted like eight panels worth of manga. So, yeah, I, and I've, I've I've heard that that person was talking about Z, but I don't think it was ever confirmed. It's it's one of those things where it's like it's implied, you know. That's just something I've kind of heard, but yeah, I you know it's it's like I was saying earlier, like you know I'm. I'm not looking forward to getting to that stuff eventually. I mean, that's a long ways away, so, you know, it's fine. But, yeah. <laughs> like, th- this stuff legitimately has been, like, really, really fun to watch, and I really haven't had any complaints on, like, uh, visually speaking. Right. I think the big issue, I mean, if I if, if I can say the big issue, and this is something that stood out a lot on the reread, um, was just how horny early Dragon Ball is. <laughs> yeah. Early Dragon yeah. Ball is <laughs> so horny. Like, obviously not Goku, because he is this sweet summer child 
who's never even considered such a thing, right? Like, he's just this sort of doe-eyed kid who doesn't even know how old he is. You know, he's just very new to all this. But man, Roshi's hijinks and, of course, Krillin's um, uh, being an accessory, right? Uh, Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've definitely, like, have said a lot about uh, some of the earlier kind of hornier stuff that uh, (laughs) we, I mean... I don't I don't want to like get into another whole big thing but like sure but like man episode 6 of the anime in particular easily the worst episode of the show and you don't you don't like you could you could literally just skip that and like nothing would be lost like it's just that bad Yeah that's the thing like I you know I recall you know my in my thinking and I'm coming back before I reread all this I was like you know like some of my most vivid memories are like say all the stuff with the tower and the red ribbon army and the snow and like all the kind of adventurey type stuff Mhm and it really, I, I guess I just sort of mentally was like, yeah, Roshi's always been like a dirty old man and that's always been a part of the manga. But, man, I forgot how like just like pervasive that is here. And it's not, it's not the, I mean, you know, there's certainly worse stuff airing right now. Like, I don't want to pretend like it's like the worst thing that's ever happened. I was like, man, this really is the majority of what's going on. I mean, pretty <laughs> much all of episode 14 is like, y'all, I need those mags. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna need that. <laughs> yeah, the, the, like the the thing that kind of got me about these episodes, like again, as much as we like Roshi, and I personally think he's a really fun character that I wouldn't really want to do without. But like, you know, the like the the whole point of episodes 14 and 15 in particular is that Roshi is sending Goku and Krillin off to basically kidnap a girl. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. that's not really super great. I mean. He, you know, they're nice to launch and everything, but it's just like, oh, you just live here now, and we're just going <laughs> to ogle you all the time. And it's like, I'm not really a fan of that, honestly. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, anyone listening to this, like, if you're if you're this far into the series and, like, this stuff legitimately bothers you, like, I, I would not hold it against anybody if they stopped watching the show because of that stuff. Because, like, people have different tolerances for that kind of thing, and Personally, I don't like some of this stuff, but I'm I also I'm such a huge fan of this franchise that like I, I just I'm just kind of used to it, even though I don't like it. But I can't imagine what it's like for someone new getting into this and just being like, oh, this is that Dragon Ball thing everybody's talking about. Why is nobody talking about this stuff? You know, it's just like, uh. yeah, I mean, it doesn't help that Toei, this is like Toei's black sheep. Like they don't re- maybe this is the reason why they don't re-release yeah. it. I, who knows? I wonder about that. <laughs> Probably. So because like anything you anytime there you're talking about Dragon Ball, it's always Z, Super. I mean, we know why GT's kind of like been excommunicated, but like, <laughs> right. uh it's weird that the origin of Goku is like they don't touch it. And maybe I don't know. I don't claim to know, but maybe this is one of the reasons for it. I mean, I will say this. I will say this much. I'm not saying it makes it better, but I do like Toriyama has that kind of wink and nod. Like it's like, yeah, you know, he's he's a perverted old man, but all right, we'll, we'll you know, I got him this really cute looking girl, but then when she sneezes, she'll probably like murder him in his sleep. <laughs> so <laughs> like right. it, it, it's that kind of wink and nod that's kind of like, yeah, I mean, Toriyama knows what he's doing. So it's not a thing where he's like, eh, he, he's not Goku sitting there writing like, well, well, I mean, she's just a pretty girl. That's what old men do to pretty girls. That's that's right. No, I mean, no, it's definitely this kind of thing where it's like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll give you what you want, but there's a price. <laughs> there's So... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I don't I don't think it necessarily like 
yeah, like you said, I don't think it necessarily like makes up for it 100%, but I do enjoy that like, you know, uh, Roshi does get his comeuppance at least sometimes. Like I I legitimately like in like I I mentioned this before. The pervier stuff is kind of problematic and is doesn't really hold up as much, but like some some of these jokes can be funny though. Like I I do like that exchange where like uh Goku's on like his second try trying to find a random girl or whatever. And obviously, the, the the next girl that he finds ends up being like a mermaid, and that's the joke. I, I, I like I like how they like build up to that. Like he he keeps telling Goku to like, "Hey, go steal her panties." And Goku's like, "Okay." Oh, she doesn't have any, but all she has is a shirt. And you know, Roshi's like, "Oh man, that's that's pretty cool." That's really paraphrasing, but you know. But it's yeah, <laughs> it's I, I I do like where that joke kind of leads up because there's all there's also like a lot of wordplay going on with some of these episodes here that I. Because of the way, like, whoever translated this for Funimation uh, went about it, they don't translate certain things, and so some of that's kind of lost on me. But I, I, I do like the way where, you know, Goku misunderstands Roshi uh, in how, like, you know, he's like, oh, hey, I need you to get me that girl's panties, and he, he thinks he hears something else. And I like how that comes back at the end where, like, the mermaid chick, like, you know, punches him in the face or whatever, and Goku's like... Oh, that's what you mean by punchy, like because they, cause they <laughs> right, sound like yeah. the same thing. And I, <laughs> I, I, I legitimately like that punchline, quote unquote. Oh. <laughs> it's um, it's it's really funny. Like I, it's one of those things where it's like again, it doesn't really hold up like one hundred percent well, but I still think Toriyama is like still good at what he does. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you know it's not like you can't make a a sex joke oh you know i don't want to be like a prude or anything like that but it's like you know there there is a sort of mentality where well if we're telling jokes you know no harm no foul but sometimes you know you make a it 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 spends a lot of time in that space so it almost has more opportunities to fail if you will because i agree i think the mermaid bit is actually pretty funny because it's a visual gag it's a pun it plays on goku's naivete it plays on roshi's like nervousness and inability to really act on this stuff. So there's a lot, like, I think that's probably one of the better gags or I just, you know, I think like, even though, you know, like lunch is clearly like a cute girl and everyone like is oogling her and stuff, but like, you know, she's a really funny personality and I think she adds a lot to the show. I think it's kind of a criminal that Toriyama just kind of forgets she exists entirely. Mm-hmm, yeah. I feel like I hate that, <laughs> but she's great. I, you know, I think she's really fun. And I mean, just like Bulma, like she kind of gets played for jokes and ogled a lot, but she also just is like capable and like has a gun all the time. <laughs> and like, I really enjoy, I mean, I guess to, to transition to the episode 15 stuff, I really enjoy all the extra stuff with like the Western town, oh, the man, train yeah. robbery. I, all that stuff is just terrific. I was like, I, part of me almost wonders, you know, if, I mean, obviously it's clearly inspired by a lot of Western stuff, quite literally, but you know, I, I definitely had, uh, when, when she's opening fire on all the bottles and they're spilling everywhere, it kind of reminded me of the first episode of Trigun. For those of you who enjoyed uh, the Trigun anime, you know, where all the, the machine guns are firing and all that stuff. But yeah, there are a lot of good bits and a lot of good jokes here. And I don't want it to be like, oh, Toriyama, you monster. But like, clearly it's not meant with ill intent. And like, we probably all have known Roshi or two in our lives sadly probably yeah um, uh you know so it's just like it is kind of an uncomfortable space to like stay in and it stays there um it's like it's so sometimes it's kind of like can we please can we do another joke please any other joke <laughs> no yeah i get that yeah. i mean 
just just kind of while we're still in the, on the subject here uh i mean there there are jokes that i do like like uh uh, you know, I, I I do like stuff where, like, you know, when Goku eventually visits Roshi for the first time on, in episode 14 in particular, you know, he finds him, like, watching exercise videos because this is a time before internet porn, so this is kind of all you have. You know, like, I, I like <laughs> I, I like stuff like that, too. Like, it's, it's compared to everything else, it's, like, relatively harmless. Like, he's, like, look, if he wants to get off watching exercise videos, like, hey, that's, that's your business. It's your house, whatever, you know? Like, that's fine. Um, like, I, I prefer stuff like that, you know, compared to, you know, us constantly just kind of ogling the female characters. With, but but while, while also at the same time still trying to give them some kind of agency, like, it's it's something we talked about before. Like, Toriyama tries to have his cake and eat it, too. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with how that's executed all the time. But it's, uh, you know, it's... it's uh, I don't know. It, it feels like something that's there. There's a bit of nuance to it, a little bit, but also at the same time, not really. It's 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 a really weird thing to touch on and talk about. Yeah, and I feel like this show, the series, only really gets. I don't know if I would say it gets better, but there is an improvement in a sense. I would say like so, in some yeah. ways, like it's just because Toriyama just kind of sidelines any female characters that exist. <laughs> so. That can't happen, which isn't really necessarily the correct solution. But I think the series, like on the whole, like as you, I mean, again, like Sakaki, like you mentioned, Dragon Ball's probably the the least, you know, touched upon element of the sort of wider Dragon Ball uh, oeuvre. Um, but I think in part, you know, as we head forward and we get to like Super and even through Z with Videl and and characters like that, like we we typically see, or even just. You know, when Chi-Chi shows up later in Dragon Ball, when she shows up again, you know, it, it's it feels like Toriyama, at least, it, I don't know if I say like, oh, he learned. Like, I don't necessarily know if it was an ignorance thing, but he definitely changes where he's emphasizing things and changes how he handles things. And I think for the most part, the series only improves in that sense. I would agree. Yeah. I was just going to point out one more joke that I really liked in episode 14 that made me laugh really hard, even though it's not necessarily... The, the the nicest joke. Um, I, I I do like the bit at the end of episode fourteen where Krillin is begging Roshi to like train him and have him be his disciple or whatever, and he's just like, "Look, I'll, I'll give you more magazines." And first off, I love how there are clearly different magazines that he's brought, but he just kind of keeps handing him the same one, which is pretty which is pretty funny in its own. But like, I, I love how he keeps handing him magazine after magazine until you get to like the the obviously like homoerotic gay magazine. He's just like, oh no, like cl- clearly it's not it's not a very tasteful joke. Obviously, you know it's a it's very, it's very homophobic, but I still really like the timing of that joke and his reaction and just the delivery of everything. Like that that's still got a good laugh out of me, despite it not again. Despite it not being another uh, being another thing that doesn't really hold up well. Uh, just his delivery is so great. Um, but I mean, yeah, we were, we were, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, okay. no, uh, just, uh, one thing came to mind too that I was going to mention before we headed out of this. No, one. I was just going to say that, I mean, just Krillin's like appearance in general at the end of this episode, I, I was really, I really liked it. The fact that 
Okay, yeah, there is that. Like he's talking to Goku and go and trying to say talk about how great you know martial arts is and everything like that. And then like he's pointing at Master Roshi. And he's like, "See, isn't he awesome?" And he's just sitting there reading porn like, <laughs> "Booms." <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, <laughs> I just really like how that was done. <laughs> no, yeah, Krillin goes on this whole thing about how he's just like, "What?" Like because Goku makes fun of him for being bald or whatever, and he's just like, "Yeah, well, that's because I trained in martial arts or whatever, and that's why that's why Roshi." He's bald too, because he's a he's a master, and Roshi's just like, no, I'm just bald. He's totally <laughs> undermining his point. <laughs> I also really like, uh, I guess, before that, how they're talking, and uh, Krillin specifically asks Goku, like, "Hey, have you trained in Budo?" And Goku's like, "Oh, I like Budo, like, because it also means grapes or whatever." And Krillin's Krillin tries to like has like almost like a gotcha moment. He's like, "Was that was that supposed to be a joke or whatever?" And Krillin's and Goku's just like. You're bald. <laughs> I just love the way that Krilla tries to like outsmart him, and Goku just instantly shuts him down because he's that dumb. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny. <laughs> oh man! And then of course, like of course, at the end of the episode, where he, you know, where like you've come here with impure, impure intentions and everything, that's why you can't ride the. I just love that, like. Yeah. Um, Krillin's like, well, no, I'm here because I want to, you know, train and become more powerful and meet girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see your point. Yeah, now I hear it. Now yeah. I hear it. <laughs> I just like that realism. Like, I believe that the whole time Krillin really did just think, you know, meeting girls isn't wrong. It isn't impure. And then, like, you know, that ironic, that echo when he actually says that, like, ah, yeah, that's a problem, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's in this episode um, where I, I think Goku at some point tells Roshi that he's hungry when he gets there. Yeah. And Roshi's like, well, okay. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, get something out of the fridge. And he's like, what is this thing? Why do you keep your food in here? And uh, when Goku opens the fridge, there's something of Masako Nozawa's delivery of him, of him just being like cold, like kind of a, like he's got this like trill, like in her delivery. I just, I don't know. I got the biggest belly laugh out of that. It's one of my, you know, I was raised on the dub. So I know I'm a heretic, but I typically prefer my Dragon Ball dub. Um, but her delivery there was just just terrific. I, I had just the greatest laugh of him kind of, it's cold. <laughs> That's really, I think, some of the show's best comedy, too. It's just Goku doesn't know anything about anything. So even things like a fridge, you know, he's <laughs> it's really wonderful. No, it, it makes me think about. Uh, when Sakaki and I covered uh, episodes two and three in particular, and uh, you know, we just we just see Goku living with Bulma and trying to get used to like uh, like suburban life almost, and him just just being like oh like not knowing what things like TVs are or uh, what coffee's like, you know, just just like stuff we're all used to. But like, it's just funny to see Goku react to like things that we perceive as like just part of our normal daily lives, and just being like, I don't know what the fuck this is, but okay, it's it's just it's so good. Um, but yeah, so uh, we we were kind of talking about episode fifteen a little bit in like the uh, the kind of like Western saloon scene, which which is really good. It's a it's a good. It's another good, like, addition to the anime, again, like, building up launch before uh, she makes her, like, actual canon debut, I guess if you want to call it that. You know, really kind of building her up as, like, a personality and as, like, this new, really cool character, and I really like that. I guess I want to kind of go into some, like, voice actor trivia a little bit. I I thought maybe that might be interesting. I don't know. You guys should let me know. But uh, because during this bit in particular, like, I noticed a lot of, like, really familiar voices, and I was like... Oh, they just got these guys to do these bit parts, huh? Like, 
the kind of like cowboy and like his two like lackeys, I guess. One of them literally is just voiced by Daisuke Gori and Shigeru Chiba. Like it's it's so hard to not hear them. Uh, obviously, Daisuke Gori being at this point the guy who voices uh, both Ox King and uh, Masaroshi's Turtle. Uh, later, Mr. Satan, as well as uh, and Grant, you will notice a uh, kind of a pattern with all these in that I think pretty much everybody I have listed was in Fist of the North Star at one point. Yes, <laughs> not terribly surprising. <laughs> and then Colton and I were talking about how they all also did, they are all also in One Piece and Detective Conan as well. So it's like we got a star system going on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, hey, head, head down the hall. We need you to do the turtle <laughs> scene six. You know, like, uh, we get to say Sakaki. No, no, I was, I, I was just gonna say uh, we had one from the previous episode. Since we're moving on from fourteen, that I found out towards the when we were talking about the episodes, the mermaid. Uh, e- yes. Uh, do uh, do you have that listed? Because for some reason, I don't. Oh no, no I, I can I I don't have it with me, but I I remember it's uh, Sumi Shimamoto who did Mitsuba and Gintama. Shame on you for not remembering that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, Okita's sister, older sister. Wow, yeah, that's 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 quite the find. Yeah, she she was the mermaid, and also Conan or Shinichi's mom, um, in in Detective Conan, Sumi Shimamoto. So she was the mermaid. And Kyoko in Masoni Koku, so we're going all. Uh, I'm, I went from jump to Sunday to jump, so there you go. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Something else interesting from that episode too. Um, Tomiko Suzuki is credited as voicing girl or Gyaru or whatever, and I don't know if that means she voices like the woman in like the exercise video or like the, the bigger, like musclier woman that like Goku finds for some reason. But apparently, uh, as far as like Dragon Ball goes, she ends up she will end up voicing both uh, Marin, Krillin's girlfriend, and uh, Dende as well. So that's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. As as well, Grant as Rin from Fist of the North Star. Oh, uh, yes. I saw her name in the credits. I'm like, why do I know this? Because I've watched <laughs> I've watched Dry Your Tears a million times. I, I'm going to get to the anime eventually. <laughs> but, good, 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 good. But like, yeah, oh, I've man. watched Dry Your Tears. Like, I've had that on repeat some days, and so I've seen <laughs> the Japanese credits, and I was like, why is her name so familiar to me? That's why. <laughs> Going back to the cowboy guy characters, I mentioned Daisuke Gori. Um, but, uh, I mean, if not for him, like, the other voice I always notice is Shigeru Chiba, because he has such a, like, distinct voice. We talked about him before. He obviously voices Pilaf, as well as Raditz later, and, uh, apparently, Grant, he also voices Nikki, one of the henchmen from Dead Zone, your favorite movie. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I I do love Dead Zone very much. Um, and apparently is also the narrator of the Fist of the North Star anime. Yes. Uh, yes, yep. I do remember seeing his name in the credits of that. Okay, cool. And then uh, I guess I, I haven't mentioned him yet. Banjo Ginga, who voices, I guess his name is Nopo. That's how you pronounce that, I think. Uh, if eventually he will go on to voice King Vegeta, who uh, I believe is like King Vegeta is really interesting. I'm sure we'll talk about him in the future. But like he, I think he's in the, he's technically an anime original character. I don't know if he ever like actually makes an appearance in the manga at all. Um, maybe I'm totally wrong about that. I don't know, but well, if memory serves, he really only showed up in the Bardock movie, right? Um, up until the the new Super movie, which obviously featured him, and yeah. which made him, which made Broly canon too. Um, I'm pretty sure King Vegeta only shows up in the Bardock movie, 
Um, I'd have to go back and look at the manga and see. I don't remember in my reread. I haven't gotten that far yet. I just I just finished the Saiyan saga. Ah, okay. In my Z reread. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. I, I think he is a anime original. I think so too. Um, some just some other credits to list here. Uh, he was also Souther. From Fist of the North Star. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, as well as Hosen from Gintama, a pretty big a major villain. Oh, how could I forget him? Forgotten him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when we were talking about, I listed Darby Elder, which in JoJo Part 3, and Netero, after Netero's original voice actor uh, passed away, Ichiro Nagai. And he took over Netero for like the handful of episodes he was still around until, you know... So here, one more credit I want to list for Banjo Ginga in particular, because I was, uh, you've you've watched the anime for this, Sakaki, so I want to know if you recognize his character. He apparently voices a character named Baron from Love Ueki. Yes, 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 Baron. <laughs> as, as well as uh, Harada from Touch, I guess. Oh, okay. I, I don't remember Harada that well, but ba- Baron, I, I, I remember Baron's stick is like, Inueki is... He's just that guy that's like, I won't be fooled by anything. And then somebody will be like, uh, dude, your shoelace is untied. And Baron looks down. It's not, you fooled me. <laughs> and that's like, <laughs> that's like constantly a shtick in Ueki. <laughs> so that's pretty good. Like, I, 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 I love that. And of course, like Chiba's in Ueki too, as Ueki's adoptive father. So it's like, it all connects. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, two random ones I want to list real, here real quick. I'm I'm sorry if this isn't like interesting to anyone else but us, but I promise I'm like halfway through here. <laughs> um, so the the two policemen I thought were really interesting that we see later try to apprehend Launch. Uh, one of them being voiced by Koji Totani, who again Grant uh, apparently voices Ginger in Dead Zone. Um, okay, yep. As well as Joggy from Fist of the North Star. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, oh. I figured you get a kick out of a lot of these. Um, yeah. And then we have uh, Ryoichi Tanaka, who voices the other policeman. Um, probably one of his biggest roles being fucking Akira Fudo from Devil Man, the Devil Man himself from the, uh, the I think from the the titular crybaby, uh, <laughs> uh, specifically from the original anime. Right, I was just. Uh, yeah. um, and I guess he's current as far as like Dragon Ball goes. He's like the current voice of Doctor Brief and the old Kaioshin, I guess. Which is okay. interesting. Um, the last one I want to mention here, because this character is woof. Uh, he also voices Cancer Death Mask from the original Saint Seiya. Um, little fun fact for anyone who's not into Saint Seiya, and I, I hope this doesn't turn off anybody from it, because Saint Seiya is really cool. Um, Cancer Death Mask is so evil, he actually sympathizes with Nazis. This is a real part of his character. <laughs> Oh and I just, I just, I just wanted to share this with you guys because that really fucking blew my mind the first time I saw that. It was, wow, yeah. There's a lot to take in there. I mean, anyway, I guess it's his, it's on the tin. His name's Death Cancer. So I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the only thing in Colton will love this. The only thing I know about uh, Saint Seiya is that Gintar parody the ending song. That's as most as I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> and I will admit, like that episode where they parodied it, and like. I looked up the song and I was like hooked on it for days. <laughs> so, if neither of you guys have tried Saint Say, you should at some point. It is really fun. I have not. Uh, I have listened to some of the amazing uh, soundtrack, com- like background music compilations on YouTube when I'm getting work done because, like, it's got that really powerful, like, Showa early Heisei era kind of like yeah. trumpet 
uh, energy. I really love it. Um, and I also know it's super big in Latin America. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's usually a sign of quality because a lot of times if there's something over there in Latin America that, that's really popular that we didn't really get over here, it's because, you know, like Mazinger is another good example of that. Like huge. We just, we don't have it here because America is just a cultureless wasteland. <laughs> Captain Tsubasa <laughs> as well. <laughs> Yep. See, yet yeah, there again. See, so I, I gotta watch Saint Seiya. It it is very good. I do want to check it out at some point. Like, if nothing else, like Gintama, like watching the first yeah. ending song, Eternal Blue, I believe. Like, I just yeah. love that song, and I love the video. I love everything about it. So I'm like, yeah, I, I'm definitely the guy that gets into stuff through just listening to the music of it, because <laughs> that that's me. I mean, I can probably belt out Silent Survivor and dry your tears. <laughs> but I have yet to actually watch the show. <laughs> but I'll get to it. But yeah, yeah. So so la- last credit here. This one's a big one because, you know, when I was originally like watching these episodes and I initially heard like Launch's performance, I was just like, I've heard this voice before. And it's because she is voiced by Mami Koyama, who uh, is the original voice of Arale from Dr. Slump. Okay. Yeah, like like especially when she's like performing as like the more innocent launch, like you could totally hear like bits of a Raleigh in her performance. It's 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 really eerie and I was just like I I know this voice. Where have I heard this voice before? Like <laughs> even with like the very little Dr. Slump I've actually watched, like I know what a Raleigh sounds like, so it's just like, oh yeah, I've heard this before. Some of these other characters, I was really surprised, but also not surprised at the same time, because uh, for anybody who's a fan of Black Lagoon, uh, she has also voiced uh, Balalaika, who that just that makes a lot of sense. I'm not like surprised by that at all. If, if you know anything about Black Lagoon, it, if she's basically like if Blonde Launch were like uh, were, were this like war torn individual who has like PTSD it's 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 launch taken to the most like uh, logical extreme <laughs> um <laughs> but um i guess she also voices a uh, vermouth and detective conan who i know is also a very important character um i'm i'm going to assume this is for the japanese dub of this but apparently she had like narration for dragon ball evolution which i thought was interesting huh. i really i really want to watch the japanese dub of dragon ball evolution because i don't know if you guys know this but uh kappa yamaguchi voices goku in that Huh. So Usopp which is, which is really interesting. Goku, so that, that's interesting. <laughs> Dragon Ball Evolution, man. I don't know if I can... 
<laughs> so so I haven't seen it, and like there oh. might be a thing in the works. I, I don't know yet. Colton M- sort maybe. of mentioned it that maybe I'm gonna we're gonna watch it, and I'm gonna record on it, and we're gonna do it live. So that's gonna be. It's a poss- There's a non-zero chance that we may do that, but we'll see. <laughs> oh Lord, I I, I mean. Uh, one thing I can say is that it keeps me from ever being able to say that Chow Yun-Fat can do no wrong because he was involved in that project. And it also is what got Toriyama out of retirement for one last big score. So I guess in that sense, I can thank it. But just just prepare yourself. I mean, I'm talking like you're going to have to like commando, you know, get get ready, like strapping on <laughs> face paint. Like you're, you're going into the war zone, man. It's... Oh I man! Mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's any stretch of imagination to say that Grant's like one of the most positive people I know. So they hear this from you, <laughs> like you're, you're definitely a sunny side <laughs> up kind of guy, that, and and I appreciate mm. it. I love that but, about I mean, you. But <laughs> you got to be able to round something up. You know what I mean? Like there's not there's nothing there, man. There's nothing. It's not even. I don't even think it's bad funny, except for the except for except for the part that that Piccolo flies around in like an office building, like he's just flying around in a space that's you know renting out to businesses I, it's there's nothing you don't there's no there's no good there there's no good that's gonna come with that i can't wait to hear it oh like i i, I can't love wait to hear it but there's no good that's coming from oh that. grant i love this side of you we don't get to see this side of you too often we don't and i like i mean this oh, is special wow. I don't like it. I, I I get into a bad place. I gotta get, keep the venom out. But that's a bad film. I, I don't, it's not good. Like I said, it brought Toriyama back. We have new Dragon Ball again. The franchise is really, you know, it's maybe not the. I mean, it's still one of the biggest things in the world. Maybe it's not the end all be all of anime, but that I will say, it got Toriyama back. He was like, this will not stand, and oh he, my God. he returned. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I read somewhere that, like, Shueisha got a hold of this, and they were like, we're never doing business with you guys again. Like, they – I think they – I don't know where I read it, and, of course, I could be way off, so anybody listening to me, don't – this isn't gospel. But, yeah, I do remember reading somewhere that, like, Shueisha's – like, I guess they got the rights to the movie, and Shueisha was kind of hands-off, and just like, you know, it's – you paid for it. You do with it. I'm sure they definitely regret that decision. Yeah, yeah. That that's why oh, I came yeah. back. And then they came back and they were like, "No, now we're supervising any Dragon Ball thing that's going to happen. We're supervising it, all of it." <laughs> so like, yeah, good. that's good. That's another upside to it, I guess. Oh, but before we move off of Mommy Koyama, I mean, maybe Grant will find this interesting. But she's currently voicing Big Mom in One Piece. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. One of my favorite characters in that as well. But um, yeah, I, mean, I think that's about it for voice actor trivia. Again, I'm sorry that went on a little too long, but I, I I thought a lot of those were interesting because especially with like, especially with like the cowboy characters in particular, it was just like, I know I recognize those voices and I should have known better because it's like, it's so obvious that they just got Daisuke Gori and Shigeru Chiba to just voice these like almost no name characters. L- literally Shigeru Chiba. I, I love that like. I love how the character he voices in particular, I'm pretty sure he voices like the Yosemite Sam looking character or whatever yeah. that's just with him. <laughs> I, I really like his design in particular and like Gory's character as well. It's just, just this like short, plump little guy with a big head. It's just these these designs are really funny. I, I, I like that that I mean in the credits they're basically named what you get. Like Chiba's is Chibi and Gory's <laughs> is Debu, which is Japanese for like fat. Ah, so very, very clever. Um, <laughs> oh, something else I wanted to point out. A, ni- a cool little Easter egg. Uh, did you guys notice the wanted posters in the saloon at all? Yeah, I did. I did. Obviously, one of them is Akira Toriyama yep. because, you know, we got to get his insert in there somehow. 
Um, apparently, the poster in the middle between Toriyama and Launch is uh, is a character from another one of Toriyama's works named Mark. Uh, I guess he's from like a one shot called Chobit, not 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 the other series Chobits. That's a totally different thing. Um, which uh, I mean, Toriyama has like a shit ton of one shots that he's done like all throughout his career. Uh, but I, I was kind of looking up. I guess Chobit was one that he was doing like while Doctor Slump was running. And uh, I don't have it in front of me, but from from what I from what I read of it, it seemed it seemed pretty okay. Um, I would not be surprised if like maybe this is something that's going to be included in that like uh, one shot collection that's coming from Viz later this year. Which God, I'm going to pre order that so bad. I need that so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I have to get that too because like I need more Toriyama in my life. I I really just the Dragon Ball's it for me. So. You're welcome. Uh, no, but <laughs> I will. I do have an interesting kind of question because obviously one of the things that is seldom discussed with regards to Toriyama, but I think is one of his uh, perhaps greatest strengths, has got to be his mechanical designs. Like all of his mechanical designs are so wonderful and sort of bulbous and round, and like at the same time super detailed. Um, Fifteen, I guess this is the episode where Launch uh, goes after the train, right? Or is that sixteen? No, it's that's no, fifteen. It's 15. Okay, yeah. So, like, she comes over the cliff on this really interesting little sort of one-wheeled uh, monobike, which, like, a, um, a single-wheeled kind of bicycle or, like, motorcycle-type contraption. You know, obviously, unicycles are, are a pretty obvious comparison. But, like, a you know, a single-wheeled motorcycle-type thing, I guess its particular design, it, it I don't know if this is predated by anything. I mean, Toriyama's works are always so uniquely his, but it very much makes me think of the monobikes in the film Venus Wars, if any of you have ever seen that. It was a Saturday anime kind of classic staple, hmm. um, but that film very heavily featured. Obviously, the, the red bikes were also pretty visually influenced by Akira, um, but it pretty heavily features these little like kind of mono bikes, especially in this kind of early scene. They have this like um, the main cast are all these kind of like roller derby kind of biker punks and their particular there's, there's like a whole thing where like they race around the track or something and you have to get the queen or whatever but the way they kind of ride those bikes i don't know like launches like sp her specific bike and the kind of way she's riding it very much reminds me of this uh, venus wars which would come out a couple years later and obviously again given that dragon ball is one of the most popular things a human's ever done. It, it just wouldn't shock me if that was a direct inspiration to what would come later because it's such a specific look. Like, she's not really riding it like a unicycle. It's like a single-wheeled motorcycle thing, and she's kind of a combatant on it with a bazooka. And, like, that is, like, motorcyclists riding around on monobikes shooting bazookas at things is, like, a vast majority of the content in Venus Force, I would say. So it's oh, like wow. it's hard not to draw that comparison. And I, I, I don't know. I was just curious if anybody knew if that was a you know, but maybe not. I don't know. That's something for the for the people out there, I guess, is to consider that that may be a connection to Venus Wars, which is not really a great film, but one that I have <laughs> a fondness for because it was one of my first anime, one of the first anime I purchased. <laughs> oh wow. Um, that's, that's really interesting to hear. I mean, unfortunately I haven't seen Venus Wars myself. I think I've heard of it. Yeah, let me, uh, let me put this in the chat just so that you can see, look at, um, <laughs> look at, uh, oh, uh, 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 chat. There it is. Look at, uh, look at that, that image there, that preview image. And I think you can see there's a, it's not identical, but there's a, there's a similar vibe. There's a similar energy to the, the way the monobike is ridden and the bazooka and everything. Like it's, it's a pretty distinct thing to be going on there. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, I can I can kind of see it. Yeah. Um, and the I guess in the opening 
like segment when they're at the track the the queens on each team like with their long flowing hair and the way they're riding their little mono bikes very much again looking at launch riding around with her long flowing hair shooting the bazookas i don't know i can't help but think that that was in some way an inspiration directly or you know through the ether if you will just like for that look because it's a pretty distinctive thing in that film i mean i'll give you this even though i haven't seen the film myself i mean like uh just the like the the unibike on its own you know like it's it 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 really feels like a very unique design from toriyama like I, i I, d- I know for sure I haven't I've never like seen anything like this in anything else. I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like it, it really feels like something specifically designed by Toriyama that you just have not seen anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I can't think of. I, I always thought that Venus Wars was really unique for this, but then come this little added scene here that was not in the monk because I I have not really seen much of the Dragon Ball anime, the original Dragon Ball. Um, most of what I it was. I read it originally. So this little added scene, I was like, oh, wow, this is a really interesting thing to kind of predate that. And I, so I was trying to think if there was maybe another visual reference that I, I didn't know about or whatever. But it's just, just food for thought for those listening, playing the home game. <laughs> it, it is interesting to think about. I, like I said, I definitely haven't seen that kind of thing like anywhere else. Uh, Toriyama's mechanical designs are usually just that good. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, th- th- this whole bit here with like Goku and Krillin coming in to rescue Launch is uh, is pretty good. Um, I I love the way when Goku's fighting the cops, I I love how he kind of like jumps up and then just kind of like torpedoes into another cop. It's yeah. <laughs> it's really like he's positioned in a way where like uh you could like make an edit of like uh of like turning that specific frame of Goku as like a like a PNG or something and just have him like uh, drag drag him across the screen or something like it it, it feels weirdly like stiff i don't know it's weird <laughs> it, it's it's one it's one of those things that like i remember vividly from the manga just him like bashing himself into a to another cop but like it f- feels like the kind of thing that like i'm not going to say it doesn't translate well into like animated but it does it does feel like this kind of thing where it's like they're trying to make sense of like that particular move in the animation but like still kind of like copy that particular panel as well as they could it, it, it was just, i just thought it was kind of weird mm-hmm. um i i love the i love the i forgot to mention the interactions between goku and krillin at the beginning of episode 15 where like goku and krillin are obviously still looking for a girl or whatever and um goku on the kinto and points to just points to this random guy and is like hey you think maybe like that fits the bill or whatever and krillin's like that's a dude or whatever and you know, Goku just tells Krillin straight up, like, oh, I, I can't really tell unless I, like, you know, do my pat-pat or whatever. And I love the way Mayumi Tanaka de- delivers this particular line from Krillin, where Krillin's just kind of like, just so you know, I'm a guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so understated. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mayumi Tanaka in particular, I mean, it's it's so weird at this point to hear her voice anybody other than Luffy, you know? Because, like, if you do, like, a side-by-side comparison kind of thing, like, clearly she she's going for a different performance with Krillin in particular compared to somebody like Luffy. 
you know, like you, you can you can really like pick that up in her performance. Uh, maybe I'll put in a clip here in post, but uh, just kind of skipping ahead to episode 16. I really I really like the bits where like during like the rock throw challenge or whatever, you know, Krillin gets to a point where he's just kind of like, wait, fuck this. I can, I'm just going to go pick up a rock or whatever. And he, you know, he's just he's just so like satisfied with himself for his like evil plan or whatever. And it's just I, I thought a lot of the performance from Mayumi on that was um, was especially very fun to listen to. あいつ<笑> Yeah, I agree. Like, I it might just be a thing, of course, that she's been voicing Luffy for so long that it's like, you know, she's just kind of become the role. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, like, okay. <laughs> I, but yeah, it's definitely a thing with Krillin, especially since she voices Yajirobe later, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, Yajirobe sounds much closer to Luffy, but that oh, might yeah. just be that yeah. might just be because their personalities are very similar. But <laughs> yeah, like, definitely with Krillin, she's definitely doing going for something way different. But yeah, it's hard to disassociate her from Luffy because that that that's like a whole career right there at this point. Um, another like really small bit I wanted to mention is uh, like right before they fight the cops or whatever. I wish I could remember exactly what they were, what what exactly the dialogue was. But I, I love that little bit where like Goku and Krillin are talking, and it's another one of those things where like Goku clearly is misunderstanding like what Krillin's trying to say to him, and like Krillin is just like so shocked at like what he just said. He's just like, I can't believe this guy just said that. Like he just he's just <laughs> kind of stunned. <laughs> that made me laugh pretty hard. It's so good. Um, I don't know. I'm, I mean, unless you guys have anything in particular, uh, I don't know if there's anything from episode. Uh, from uh, anything else from episode 15 that you want to talk about before we head on to 16 i just like the scene where he and launch are talking and he, of course he's under the impression that oh those cops were chasing you with some kind of players you didn't do no, those no, no, things no. I, I love i love <laughs> i love that so much where Krill is just like hey you know those guys dressed up as policemen i, I wonder who those guys were <laughs> like, they were policemen oh <laughs> like, yeah and i just want to launch is just like i mean the implication, at least for a couple of times episode, which I, I, I understand is probably Toriyama and he's playing fast and loose with this is, but at least a couple of times the implication is that both of the launches don't know what each other were doing. So right, yeah. I, I find that interesting that she was like, oh yeah, no, those are actual cops. And this is like the innocent launch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like the, I don't know, I guess that bit is in episode 16 or whatever, but like launch... Like being like, where am I? Another prison or something like that. Like she, like It's funny how they each know it's it's not quite a, a Hulk and Banner thing. Like, they kind of, they get used to each other. Like, when they pop out of those forms, they're like, oh, no. You know, like, oh, no, I know police officers because I get into trouble with them a lot with my other half. You know, that kind of thing. That's a really that's a really good character bit. <laughs> no, I, I do I do love that bit where she's just like, oh, did I rob another bank again? Yeah, exactly. She's like, well, golly, you know, this happens. <laughs> it's so good. 
just just one last thing. I I, I promise this is it. But like, no, you know, at the at the point where she's you know thanking Roshi, like your grandkids saved me from this this uh, dangerous situation. I just love that like Krillin's standing there, like you know, like a normal kid, and you have Goku like climbing up a thing, <laughs> climbing up the house. <laughs> And I, I just I, I figured it that was just their way. I don't know if that's how it was in the manga, but like I figured that's just either Toriyama and Toei just trying to have him in the scene. Like otherwise, it would be kind of I guess difficult to fit him in the scene. But I just find it that that's just so Goku. He's like climbing up a pillar of Master Roshi's house while they're talking. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, one last thing I want to bring up too that I totally forgot. So something that kind of hit me when. Uh, Specifically when they're taking launch back to the Kame house, all I could think was, you know, obviously they're on Kinto Un and the whole thing with Kinto Un is that like if you're not pure of heart, you can't ride him, which is why Krillin literally has to hold on to either Goku or Launch. But so Launch is obviously like in her like innocent form, I guess, but like what happens if she sneezes while on Kinto Un and she just changes back into the other launch? Would she just fall through the cloud? <laughs> I mean, I choose to believe, I choose to believe that blonde hair launch is not evil. This is just righteous anger, right? Like it is an appropriate, <laughs> it is an appropriate response to the world in which we live. It is, it is pure righteous anger. So I believe she would stay on Kintoon. I, I don't know. Kintoon seems pretty like judgmental. I, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like they'd be like, dude, you committed a crime. Get off me. <laughs> I see. Goku's taught us a lot of damage and done some destruction stuff too, so I, I choose to believe that, that Blonde Hair Launch has done no wrong. And in fact, may be the most moral response to the world in which we live. Like, to, to ride around shooting bazookas and firing machine guns. Like, maybe maybe she's the correct one. And Blue Hair Launch, who's meek and allows the world to go as it is, maybe she's the real villain. You know? <laughs> like, supporting the status quo, really. I'm going to need to get off the show and think about that for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, um, you've given us a lot to think about, Grant. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's a deep show, <laughs> very, very deep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, episode sixteen. So I don't think I had like a lot I wanted to say up until like the second half. But I mean, the, the first half of the episode is still like very fun with them, like you know, testing out their speed and doing their like hundred meter dashes and whatnot, uh, which is pretty fun. My only regret about this episode of the podcast in particular is that uh, because of the way we have things like scheduled and structured or whatever, that like. We're not going to get into, like, like the real meat and potatoes of, like, uh, the Kame school training until, like, next episode. So I, I apologize for that, Grant. We we couldn't get to the actual good stuff. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, But, I, I mean, not, not that the stuff isn't good, but still. Like, I when, I when I think about the early training, I do think about, like, them carrying around the milk and running away from dinosaurs. Sure, the yeah. Field that, work or whatever. The like, iconic I, bits, yeah. But I still the, the rock throw bit is still really great. I think. Oh God, there's so many like really good moments about that. Um, I didn't mention it earlier, and I, I don't want to spend like too long on this. But this is another one of those things that like isn't super great. Where when Krillin is coming up with his plan, and he asks one of the uh, next door neighbors, who unfortunately is a racist caricature, and yeah. that's not and that, that's not great, you know. But it's. I don't know, compared to the pervy stuff, I guess it's easier to ignore? I don't know. Again, depends on your tolerance for these kinds of things. It was... I don't want to be like, oh, it was a different time, you know, because that, like, sounds like it excuses it, but, like, I don't know, it's it's not great. Um, Really, really gave me, like... 
old Tom and Jerry cartoon vibes or whatever. You, you guys know what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah, I, I, I never. Yeah. It's so funny, too. Like when you talk about like the, the lady from the Tom and Jerry stuff, like as a kid, like I didn't realize this until I got on Twitter. Like just growing up, I was like, that's her house. And those are like that. Like Tom's her cat. But then everybody on Twitter was like, no, she's like a maid or a servant or something. Or like maybe. Uh, like yeah. And I was like, oh, mm. as a kid that never even crossed my mind, I was like, no, it's just like her house. But then it's like, oh, oh, oh. Like, <laughs> you, don't, you don't realize, I guess. But yeah, so innocence. I'm but a tiny Goku. I, I don't know. I don't know these <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the racism stuff is, you know, again, I don't feel like it's. Like, you don't really get the sense that, like, Toriyama's, like, not to excuse it, it doesn't feel, like, really mean-spirited or cruel. I don't think it's out of any, like, malicious intent as far as we can tell, you know? As far as I can tell, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, she's kind of just, Krillin just goes to her house, and I'm not trying to excuse it either, but, like, Krillin just goes to her house, asks for a thing, she gives it to him. So it's not like they have an extended, you know, interaction where it's a point where it's, like, clear that Toriyama, what Toriyama's intention was, whether it was malicious or not. I mean, again, it's not that great, but at the same time, he just treats her like, I mean, it could be, at this point, it, you could replace it with just, like, a dude, you know, a normal dude or something, or a cat man in the Toriyama universe, that would be fine, and it would still be the same interaction. It's not like Krillin spends a bunch of time talking to her. Right. It's it's just it's just the lips. I think if you took out the lips, I think it'd be better, you know? Well, I mean, the manga later with Mr. Popo does exactly that. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not a huge fan of editing work just in general, because I feel like to some degree you want to preserve what it is for better or for worse and kind of let people judge for themselves. But I, I do I do enjoy opening the manga and not looking at Mr. Popo and immediately being like launched across the room, <laughs> you know, because like, whew. Whew, like there's some edits I'm okay with, and I think I think that's one that I'm like, yeah, no, this is we're better for this. I think. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to see any of us. Like, obviously, I, I feel like we're probably all against censorship. Assumedly, um, it's, it's not it's not a super good thing usually, but you're not you're not ever going to see any of us like on the street rioting that they <laughs> took away Popo's yeah, lips. No, you know, no, that, that's that's no. not it's not some fights are not worth fighting for. You know, and nothing of value is lost. Yeah, that's one exactly. of those kind of situations. <laughs> I feel like this specifically that the I mean and again I don't know but you know given that we're talking about a mangaka in the 80s who probably spent most of his time inside not really traveling the world and meeting a lot of people at this time he's trying to meet his crushing deadlines and the world was a I wouldn't say less global place but it was it was more difficult to find out about other people back then obviously ignorance still reigns like I don't want to be like well now we figured it all out but <laughs> yeah don't you know great racism's been solved Whew, I'm glad we fixed that right they just put in the <laughs> yeah. patch notes and it's all good now. Um, yeah, but I can see how somebody 40 years ago with less kind of instant, you know, kind of mass media acts. I mean, you know, with social media and stuff, you can get on and just like, you can just follow people from other parts of the world and just see how they talk about themselves and how do they present themselves and what do they do? You know, so you have a little, a little bit easier access to, I guess, what you consider an average person's life. So I can see somebody in the mid 80s who's, you know, not maybe well-traveled in that sense and is working around the clock and just is drawing what they consider to be just sort of goofy, silly characters. This is a Fox guy and this is a little silly man. You know, he's not really thinking in those terms. So it doesn't feel, it's not great, but it doesn't feel like he was like, now's my chance to really, you know what I mean? Like to really shock my readers. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't really feel like he's like, well, here's how I really feel like, you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't read that way, and of course, maybe I, I don't see it, but it doesn't feel that way. 
Yeah, I, I would imagine Toriyama isn't somebody like off the top of my head. Like he's he's not exactly like Ralph Bakshi or whatever, you know. Like <laughs> um, that's 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 quite the deep cut. Bakshi, God, I've seen some things. Seen some things. That Felix the Cat movie was uh, an experience. I liked that movie until I realized what the implications were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My childhood was ruined. <laughs> Toriyama's never going to go out of his way to uh, to make something called, uh, and I'm sorry for saying it, but it's the title of the movie, Coonskin. You know, like ugh, it's not great. You know, whatever. Oy. Oy. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like that. I will say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It yeah. Feel like I mean, that. I guess I guess comparing like... anybody to Ralph Bakshi is going to make them less problematic, and you know, yeah. <laughs> but again, thankfully, it it appears and it goes, and you know, it's yeah. it's we don't dwell on it. It doesn't overstay its welcome, you know, and which is fine. But it is one of those things where it's like it's kind of weird to like not mention it or whatever. Um, but uh, anyway. Just moving on from that. Uh, yeah, no, the, the rock stuff is really great. Um, I think the funniest bit in this entire batch of episodes is in episode 16, where Krillin does get the idea to, instead of jumping off a literal mountain like Goku has to look for this rock in deep in the forest, Krillin picks up another identical rock, draws the same symbol that Roshi drew on the other rock, and, pre- and pretend he, like, uh, exerted himself trying to find this thing. Roshi takes a look at the rock. He's like, "Okay, let me see." And he, they, they really like let it sit and build up until he just throws the rock at Krillin. <laughs> I, I laughed so hard at that. It's, it's easily the funniest bit in this episode and in this batch of episodes. It's so fucking funny. It's so great. I think it's just a great, and it's that's one of my favorite. Again, this is like terrific character comedy that Krillin's like, you know, Goku literally is like, "I'm going to go and search the forest for a rock," and you're like kid you gotta you gotta learn to think like this is like <laughs> you gotta your critical thinking here is a weakness and but krillin is smart and is like i'm just gonna paint a rock he's just not good enough at it to trick roshi right like that's just great that's just great you know bits all around i think and then of course goku being like well i'll just smell it out you're like, you are a strange you're a strange little child right? you're a strange woodland child <laughs> you oh are feral <laughs> Uh, also also the other really good bit where goku finds the rock and krillin's like are you sure that's it that could be a replica here here, let me let me see it bye like (laughs) uh, that that whole ensuing thing and then like he does the thing that you when you when you you might have like a a dog or something and you pretend to throw the thing (laughs) and then like for it to go after it and i mean just playing around and then that's what he i mean he throws an actual rock but it's not the one with the symbol on it so and then goku goes after it again and in a small (laughs) way i kind of felt bad for him because it's just like he just i mean yeah he's got physical strength on the side and everything like that but when it comes to uh you know tactical warfare like that he doesn't stand a chance it's just like it's almost unfair (laughs) 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 oh man i mean it it it, it, you i mean you hit the nail on the head it is like you know making your dog think you threw something and you you didn't i i do that to my dog all the time and it's it's always funny it's never not funny hello Peter. Yeah, no, I found him. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is this is totally off topic. I actually just today I was pl- I was playing with my dog Petey, uh, wonderful Boston Terrier, and I love him. He's my little buddy. Uh, Petey's a good boy. We were we were playing today, and uh, <laughs> we I was uh, I was throwing his rope down down our hallway in our apartment. I I did I accidentally like didn't throw it, but he thought I threw it, 
and he just he just goes down the hall into my room looking for the rope, and I just kind of like threw it to the side while he wasn't looking. So like he comes back to me, and he just clicks at me like, "Did you fucking throw it or what?" Like <laughs> I just he just kept he literally kept like running back and forth in the hallway. I should I should have taken video of it. It was so fucking. Fu- I was almost on the floor. And I'm just like <laughs> it's literally. It's literally like right next to me, like uh, standing kind of like on the side of the living room, right next to me. And he he just doesn't look my way, so he just keeps like running back and forth, like where the fuck is it? Where the fuck is it? Like, it's <laughs> 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 so goddamn funny. <laughs> oh man, Petey, if you're listening to this, I love you. He's not listening. <laughs> um, Petey's leaving a one star right now. Woof woof, bark bark bark. Woof woof. <laughs> <laughs> typing it out of the computer woof, woof, not, not enough dogs um yeah <laughs> i i also i just really like that krillin's uh he, he's very daffy duck level energy here early oh, daffy yeah. duck just being being an agent of chaos being a conniving little trickster and getting away with stuff over over poor doe-eyed Go, goku it's really great you, you mentioned Daffy Duck. They literally do a Looney Tunes bit where, like, they're running across the bridge. Krillin cuts the bridge away, and uh, Goku's running all while the bridge, like, tumbles underneath him. And he's still running in the air until he realizes, oh, I'm not running on anything. And then he falls. <laughs> it's 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 such a great gag. So classic. I love it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I guess what I, what I also appreciate, and we kind of mentioned this earlier... It, it, as, as funny as it is, you do feel kind of bad for Goku, like, oh, now he's not going to get any dinner or whatever, because he didn't complete his task, he didn't complete his training, and you just you just have this bit where, like, they're just all eating Hot Pot together, and Goku's just in the corner, like, oh, I wish I, I wish that were me, I wish I was over there, yeah. um, you know, uh, just not eating anything, you feel bad for him, but uh, both Krillin and Roshi, because of him literally... I, I said I set a screen cap of this to Sakaki on uh, on Discord where you just have that shot of Roshi like kind of not in the kitchen but kind of standing just outside like around the corner just just, yes. wa- just watching <laughs> lunch and I said I said I, I, I a screen cap of that to him and I was just like this is imagine being in the kitchen and turning around and this being like the last thing you see before you die or whatever <laughs> I, I remember my response was like it, it's like the way Chopper hides but decidedly less adorable <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh boy! Um, so I I appreciate that both Krillin and Master Roshi kind of get their upcomings by getting food poisoning from Launch's cooking because she cooked a fugu puffer fish or whatever. Though I feel I feel sorry for Launch because she gets sick too, so she doesn't really deserve that. But yeah. uh, Krillin and Roshi, I do think they get the right amount of punishment or whatever, and it it just, it just makes for a good like kind of ironic uh, last bit for the episode. And can we not comment on the gigabrain level comedy of naming a character Lunch who can't cook? Like, it's just, like, Toriyama's brain is enormous. It's just, like, brilliant. Why would you name a character Lunch so that I can say that she's bad at cooking later? Like, of of course, of course. All this was a setup. He probably thought of that first and worked his way backwards. I don't know. Sneezes and becomes a train robber. I don't care. I just want to make this one joke. Like, that's just how his brain works. That's his process. It is pretty great. I mean, it, I gotta mention that, of course, like, they're at a point with her sneezing that when she, like, 
yawns in one scene she's like opening her mouth to yawn and they're all like miles away running <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it, it's great because like now it's it's almost literally a hair trigger temper <laughs> that she has so like yeah because you know a lot of times what makes her you know transform like the first time anyway when she like sneezes it's because her hair is in her under her nose or whatever and you know they even use that as a source of comedy or like they're doing the running thing and everybody's clocking their times and Krillin's like oh my you know at first Krillin goes first and he's like oh my time's not that great uh you know I could do better and then Goku goes and then Goku's like oh my shoes were messed up and then like he like destroys killing time with effortlessly and then later you know not to repeat the whole thing but later like you know Krillin goes to the house to get to get launch and then like she sneezes then he runs by again and then like then like Roshi's clocking his time as like evil launch is trying to kill him and then he's like huh the boy's time's gone up maybe he'll be superhuman after all (laughs) (laughs) that's that is pretty good yeah I, I just love the fact that like as much as we were talking about how that's not great, I like that at this point she's kind of running the house just by that virtue of that she could turn and kill all of them. <laughs> so, like, I, I do like that turn, that, that, like, subtle thing that makes it not better, but that at least keeps, like, everybody on their toes, I guess. There, there's kind of a balance there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which I do appreciate. Um... I guess one of the last things I want to mention before we probably wrap up soon, uh, and I, I also sent a screen cap of this to Sakaki. Um, I, Grant, I don't know if you caught this, but um, r- right around the point where uh, Roshi is watching his like exercise videos again and launches kind of setting up the table for dinner uh, right before he tries to grab her butt. Not great. <laughs> um, th- <laughs> There, there is, there is a frame kind of in that scene where, if you look closely, for at least one shot, a Raleigh appears on the TV in the exercise video. Oh yeah, okay, that's cool. I, I have to go back and watch. I don't know if I noticed that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I actually didn't notice until uh, Colton said to the and I was like, oh, that's that's a nice little, uh, a nice little Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, not the first like a Raleigh sighting because I, I forget if we mentioned this before, but uh, early in the show, I think around episode three ish like like right after uh bulma comes back from meeting master roshi and she finds out she has no underwear on uh in in the house uh there are two separate times where like you'll just see like a framed picture of a raleigh on the wall one of her in a regular outfit and one of her as like a as like a police officer it's it's interesting um I'm, I'm really interested in seeing, like, how many more, like, Arale cameos we're going to get, I guess, before we get to the eventual, like, actual Dr. Slump crossover. That'll be interesting. But yeah, no, I mean, um, was there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? Or uh, I think uh, I think we're about ready to wrap up? Or Dragon Ball's good. Watch it. No, <laughs> Agree. <laughs> Great post, OP. Thank I love you. it. <laughs> but um, no, but I mean, a... I'm... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say this is a great this is a great set of episodes. I mean, it is as as you said, Colton. It is kind of like we're gonna get to the meat of thing. I, I I feel like like you put it really well, which is like the milk thing is probably what most people remember about this training, mm-hmm. especially since yeah. it's one of the things that's brought up during you know the way more serious Piccolo arc later. Yeah, that's one of the things that is kind of what Master Roshi, what the other characters remember Master Roshi for was this training and everything like that, and. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, like, when they get to that point, it is actually really touching. It gets to the point that I actually, I won't say so much feel bad for him because, I mean, it's the nature of Dragon Ball. Nobody's really 
you know. <laughs> but uh, I will say that, yeah, it, it was kind of touching to see that they care about this guy, you know? No, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure we're all in agreement that these episodes were really fun to watch. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, I don't know if there's really anything else we can add on to this other than I'm really excited to actually, you know, eventually get to the tournament in like in another episode of the podcast or two. But, you know, again, despite like, again, how some of the comedy may or may not hold up, there is still like a lot of really great funny bits in here. And there's a lot of great character interaction. Krillin's a great character, Launch is a great new character. It's just like, even if we haven't gotten to like the stuff that like, you know, we actually like and remember, like, this stuff was still fun. And I still, like, really enjoyed watching these. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's one of those things, like, obviously, some of the parts haven't aged super well, but I still had a blast watching these. I had a blast rereading the series again. Like, I, I reread it in three days because I love it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like as soon as I start watching and reading, Dragon Ball just take, takes right back over. And it's really great to see these episodes um, early on that add a little bit of extra material that I think at least... Uh, enriches the material. I don't know if you'd say it like improves on, but it, it it enriches the material and doesn't you know suffer from some of the later sins that I think a lot of people associate with the anime adaptation of of Dragon Ball and its various works. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And Krillin and Lunch, like two of the best characters in the whole franchise, back to back. I mean, you love it. You love it. You love it. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I th- I think that's gonna be about it. The, that was that was an episode. Um, once again, Grant. Thank you for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. It was great being here. Yeah, I will try to have you on for uh, the, the the next time Krillin gets another big moment, or at least one of the next times. We'll we'll, we'll try to have you back on, hopefully in the future. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This was a blast. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. You could be our Krillin correspondent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> coming to you live from the Krillin front. <laughs> I'm an embedded reporter. I'm basically like uh, the um, who was the dark tournament announcer girl who was like almost getting blown up uh, during Yu Hakusho. Yeah, like I'm her. I'm like ah, yeah. I'm in the stands, <laughs> almost getting blown up by these super powered laser shooter guys. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, no. Once again, thank you, Grant. And uh, I guess before we head out, uh, do you want to let the good people know where they can find you? Oh, but of course. Uh, so I'm on Twitter at, at @grantthethief, where you can find me making puns and talking about One Piece and my wife and all the things that bring me joy. Uh, I uh, am a co-host on The Blade Licking Thieves, where me and some buddies uh, review uh, Asian media uh, together on the couch. Hopefully, that we're returning to that soon. Uh, again, bright light at the end of that COVID tunnel. Uh, also, you can f- catch me on Super Senpai Podcast, where I co-host with me and my buddy Pat. We talk about Tokusatsu stuff, Ultraman, and Super Sentai, and Common Rider and that sort of thing. Um, and I write for ANN. I am the weekly One Piece uh, review guy, so I'm reviewing the anime episodes every week. Also, whatever they want to throw me. Sometimes it's great stuff. It's Golden Kamui, right? Or Back Arrow right now. I'm pretty excited about that. Sometimes it's a Monster Girl Doctor show, and it's a little bit tougher, but I, you know, I do I do what I do for the people. Um, and I, I do some reviews for other sites too, like Yadatachi or Zimrit and stuff like that every now and then, just whatever strikes my fancy. But uh, yeah, so you can find me a couple different places. Hope to see you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if this episode of the podcast hasn't like convinced you already, you really should follow Grant. And I'm, I, I promise, I'm not oh, saying shucks. any of this just because he's here and we're friends with him. But like, I legitimately love the content that Grant makes. Blade Licking Thieves is legitimately like one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Oh, 
you're too sweet. I'm really, I, uh, that means a lot. Cause that's definitely what brought me into fandom. And even though I do a lot of great, I mean, you know, I get to write for ANN and stuff now. Blade Licking Thieves is really special just cause it's me and some, some buddies that we've been watching movies together for pushing 20 years now. And it's fun to just get together and watch movies and make fart jokes. And <laughs> it, there's nothing, nothing else like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, please go follow Grant's stuff and uh, listen to his podcasts as well. Um, I guess, Sakaki, do you want to plug your stuff real quick? Sure. You can find me at uh, WSS Talkback. I talk about Shonen Sunday and all the wonderful things that are in it that, you know, hopefully you'll come and hang out with us and learn that there are things inside Shonen Sunday that are not Detective Conan or Rumiko Takahashi. Um, they're both good people. I, I don't want, I want to emphasize that I don't dislike either one of them. Yeah, Rumiko <laughs> but- Takahashi and Detective Conan, they're both good people. <laughs> yeah, shut up, you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're both moving along. <laughs> um, also, the uh, WSS Talkback.blogspot.com. You can, you know, that's where the blog goes. I mean, the Twitter is where we talk about news, new Shonen Sunday series, and we do one thing that most of the other shown the other Shonen magazines or manga magazines accounts don't do, which is that we cover the magazine every week, the entire thing. So. Definitely just come check that out. And then the blog spot is where we have reviews of Shonen Sunday series, interviews with artists translated. Um, definitely have a look at that. Well, most recently, we had the review for the Darren Sean manga adaptation released by Yen Press. So definitely give that a look if you're interested in that series. And I always say it, if you're interested in writing about Shogakukan stuff, Shonen Sunday, uh, big comic, all of the Shogakukan things, whether it's an ongoing series, a series that's ended, please, by all means, come down. I always love having new writers so and new content to talk about. I also am on the Slayer podcast on Twitter, which is a Demon Slayer podcast, as well as Saturday Night Shoggy, Sat Night Shoggy on Twitter, uh, which is a Shonen Sunday podcast, which you can hear. Hopefully soon you'll be hearing Grant and I on that as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I'm inescapable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your stand now. I just show up whenever you need me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what song <laughs> reference I would use, but anyway. <laughs> we'll workshop it. We'll workshop yeah. it. <laughs> um, I'm also on Shaman King Pod with uh, our Oversoul podcast with, well, Marion and V-Lord. And we're pretty much going to call this the V-Lord Podcast Network because at this point, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I also write for Toonami Faithful. Um, I just had a, uh, an article released recently about Fire Force and Faith. So maybe you want to give that a hmm. look-see. Um Hmm. And last but not least, at Kirobon, K-I-I-R-O-B-O-N, my personal Twitter, which mm, there's really nothing there. So, I mean, I shouted oh, out, shucks. but there's <sighs> nothing to look at. <laughs> so, it's habit at this point. But if you are bored and just want to stare at a paint drying, there's an option for you. <laughs> but you're such a nice guy. You're a wonderful person. Follow him. Follow him, people. Yeah. You know what? If I, I'm overruling this. Follow, follow Sakaki, please. At Kirabon. <laughs> Do it. I'd rather you just follow WSS. No, please. Whichever account. Both, if possible. Okay. Hey, please. you know what? Fo- follow both. That's fine. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I guess as for me, I'm Colton. You can find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. Um, believe it or not, I'm also involved in a lot of other podcasts. Uh, I guess uh, I don't want to go through literally all of them. You can just find links to all of them at my personal blog at uh, ColtonCorner.wordpress.com. 
uh, over there. I have a page dedicated with links to whatever podcast I'm doing at the moment. Uh, I guess the the biggest ones, just to name off a few, uh, go listen to One Podcast Prevails. That's a podcast where uh, my good friend Doctor and I uh, cover the Detective Conan slash Case Closed manga. And we even had an episode with Grant one time, and as well as Sakaki. Some, some of us are on that podcast, too. So if you're a fan of Detective Conan, especially the manga, please go listen to that. That's One Podcast Prevails. Uh, go listen to Manga Mavericks as well. You can find every episode of that at all-comic.com. Uh, it's basically, we mentioned it before, basically a podcast where my good friend and I, Lam Ramayasha, uh, get to talk about manga, whatever we're reading, whatever's happening in the industry. We release an episode every week. We also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, which uh, you can find certain, you can find episodes of this podcast on there. I'll say, I'll mention that in a second. But um, so, yeah, I mean, those are basically like the biggest ones. Uh, I guess as for this show, one of the most important things you can do is uh, follow us on Twitter at AnotherDBPod. That's where you can basically follow us and get all the latest updates on this podcast specifically. You can also send us an email over at AnotherDBPod at gmail.com. Did you have any thoughts on whatever we talked about this episode, any episodes we covered in the past, or any future episodes that we haven't gotten to yet? You know, send us your thoughts on anything Dragon Ball-related, podcast-related, and we'll read them on the show. We haven't gotten any emails yet, but we would love to hear back from you guys. And just let us know what you like about the show or even hate the show. I don't know. Like, we'll, we're not big enough that we won't read every email that we get, you know? Uh, not going through any backlog or nothing. So we'll, we'll read them on the show. Again, that's at another dbpod at gmail.com. Um, one of the most important thing, guys, is that, uh, uh, I guess by the time we release this episode, you can subscribe to us, uh, subscribe, rate, and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts or basically wherever we're uh, available. We should be available on so many different podcast platforms, but especially on Apple Podcasts in particular. It really helps the visibility of our show, and we just appreciate whatever feedback you guys give us. So, uh, yeah, just go and do that. Go do all three of those things. Uh also, most importantly, uh, last thing, uh, if you are listening to us on uh, on one of our public feeds... And uh, this is the episode you happen to catch up to. Um, guess what? We have five br- whole brand new episodes we haven't put up on the public feed yet that you can listen to over at patreon.com slash manga mavericks exclusively until we uh, until we upload those. Basically, how this podcast works is uh, whatever the newest episode of the podcast we record uh, that we record is up. You know, I, I put that on our Patreon uh, and then the the oldest episode of the podcast that we have on there we'll put up on our public feed. So every podcast that we put up and record or whatever is eventually going to be on our public feed. But it basically, uh, if you want to listen to the newest episodes first before anyone else, the five newest ones are always available at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, so there's that. We would appreciate the support if you, if you can support us. And um, yeah, I think that's about it for all of our plugs. This was a good episode. I can't wait for the next one. Uh, On our next episode, we're going to be covering episodes 17 to 19 with another special guest. We're going to keep coming with the special guest. We have a lot of guests planned uh, for basically (laughs) the next, like, arc and a half. It's kind of insane. Um, I've been really putting in the legwork trying to uh, schedule as many guests as possible. Um, So look forward to the next episode. Again, 17 through 19. uh, Continuing on through the 21st, Tenkaichi Budokai. And, uh, yeah, I guess until then, guys, we'll see you guys another day for another adventure. It's